Heavenly Father, as we've already been reminded, uh, your word is, um, is powerful. You save and uh, reveal yourself through your word uh, and your great plan of, of uh, salvation uh, for lost and sinful people like us. And uh, we thank you uh, that we can uh, dwell in it, that we can live in it, we can um, uh, just grow in your gospel. Uh, and as, again today as we read it uh, and as we have it explained, we pray that you would, uh, your work um, through your word will, uh, will have its effect in us, that our lives will be um, changed, transformed, uh, and that you'd be glorified in and through that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 15, verse 23 to 33, Paul's plan to visit Rome. But now that there is no, pl- no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Archia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to, owe, to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favourably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, friends, you've probably heard the phrase, I imagine you have, you've heard the phrase, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I always thought it had to do with monkeys. I always imagined this when I've heard this phrase. Apparently, though, there's a theory that it actually may have come from sailors, English sailors, hundreds of years ago, who, when they did something wrong on the boat, they'd get lashed with the cat of nine tails and they had a bit of a, a bargaining sort of thing between them. They'd enter into these partnerships because the sailors themselves would have to lash the other sailors when they did the wrong thing. Uh, so the phrase, the phrase, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, apparently, so I've heard, has to do with this. Uh, uh, so they'd, they'd strike these deals, and so that when they, if, if someone had to whip them, they'd say, just scratch my back, don't sort of... You know, just do it lightly. You scratch my back, and then when you do the wrong thing and you have to get whipped, I'll just scratch yours. So I won't kind of cut into you. You, you go, I'll go easy on you. You go easy on me. And so these kind of partnerships was. Oh, I just found that interesting. Uh, not to, nothing to do with monkeys at all, but it's a cute picture. Um, but the phrase itself, right? Uh, the phrase itself tries to capture something that seems to be pretty common across human relationships, right? Uh, uh, these kind of partnerships. It's pretty common in workplaces. You've got to make sure you're scratching the right people's backs, right? 
in order to get to the next level. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Uh, it's a kind of mindset, this, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. It's a kind of mindset that can easily filter into all kinds of relationships, actually, all, all kinds of areas of life. Well, as Steve mentioned, we are slowly coming to the end of this magnificent letter to the Romans. Uh, last week we had, if you were here last week, we had this stunning insight into right into the heart of Paul, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, and his great ambition to see the gospel, this news about Jesus, go out across the world where he was, to see Christ proclaimed to people and to places where he wasn't named, uh, this great ambition. Uh, if the gospel isn't just good advice, but good news, then it needs to be proclaimed, a great proclamation about Jesus as the world's Lord who died and rose again so that his people might have new life and be forgiven uh, kind of built into that is this need for this word to go out and be proclaimed. Um, in, the, in the part we just had read to us, though, the part we're looking at today, we've got, it goes in, you get a kind of a, another insight. It, it expands on this heart of Paul, but not just to Paul's heart. Uh, you get an insight into the way this gospel ambition creates gospel partnerships. This great gospel ambition creates gospel partnership. Uh, it's a partnership that's fundamentally different to any other kind of partnership. It's fundamentally different to those kind of tit-for-tat, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of partnerships that are so common uh, that we find ourselves in so often. We're going to see as we read along, and maybe you pick this up, there is a kind of obligation that's mentioned in this, a, ki a kind of uh, obligation involved in this partnership, but the whole tone of this partnership that's described is so different, so far from uh, you do something for me and then I'll think about doing something for you. It's so far from that. It's a partnership, but it's not a partnership of people who are all trying to make sure they get something out of it. You know, that's kind of the tone of those other sorts of partnerships. It's not that kind of, it's not people who are all looking out to make sure that they get something out of it. Uh, it's a partnership that is marked and driven by God's grace. It's a partnership of people who know that they've been swept up into this incredible, captivating story, the liberating reality of Jesus. Uh, it's a partnership that hasn't been... Uh, it hasn't, it's not because they've earned it. They're not in this partnership because they've kind of scratched enough backs to get into it. Uh, you cannot scratch God's back, right? You have nothing that he needs... All we bring to this great thing that we're swept up in, all we bring is our sin, our lack, our neediness. Uh, this partnership is of a people who haven't earned their place in the kind of exclusive club, uh, but of people who have been swept up in, into God's great eternal plans purely and simply by his undeserved rich grace and kindness. And that makes all the difference. Um, but you can see this kind of connection uh, between gospel ambition and gospel partnership in the couple of verses. We read these last week, if you're here, but we're reading them again from verse 23 to 24. It should come up on the screen as we go through. Yeah, Paul writes in verse 23, But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, 
So we saw last week, Paul sort of uh, had this region that he was working to establish new church plants so that the gospel could flourish across that region. He's saying that's basically done now. He's, uh, the work's still going on there, but he, he's freed up. Now that there's no more place for me to work there, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and uh, to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a little while. So he's hoping to go to Spain, as we saw last week. This is kind of his next ambition. He knows the gospel work's never done, so long as there are people who don't name Jesus as Lord. So he, this is his great sort of drive to, uh, church, to plant churches in, across Spain, to, to evangelise people to, with the gospel, to proclaim Christ there. Uh, but he's, he's hoping to spend time with the church in Rome, but he's not just hanging out with them for no reason at all. He sees them, he actually, if you kind of notice what's behind this, he sees them as partners in the gospel, in his, great, his work. He sees them as partners. He'll be refreshed by them. And he says he's going to be kind of helped on his way. Um, we'll think a bit more about that as we go along, but... Before he comes to them, though, he has this other kind of big thing that's on his mind. And you get that. It's a bit of a surprise, actually, when you jump into verse 25. You're not quite expecting this after everything he's said so far. You'd expect him to jump straight on the next plane to Rome uh, so he can get as soon as he can onto Spain, right? That's not what happens, though. Verse 25. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. Uh, so uh, there should be a map coming up. If you can see on the map, I'm just going to take this out. Um, uh, our, our kind of best, we're not in, in, entirely sure, but we're pretty confident that Romans was written, you can see right in the middle there, in Corinth, um, possibly in Corinth when Paul was there. Uh, you can see Rome is right up the top left corner up there. Uh, but Jerus- Jerusalem is right down the other corner of the map. And Paul's saying, uh, instead of going straight on to Spain through Rome, he's saying, no, no, I've, uh, before I come to you, I've got something to do that's entirely the other direction, entirely the opposite direction. And, and the reason, this thing is a big issue. Um, it's, and sort of coming off the back of last week, it's such a big issue uh, it's, Paul sees this reason he's got to go to Jerusalem as just as important as his great ambition to take the gospel to Rome, uh, to Spain. Um, and it is another striking example of gospel partnership. Verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Paul talks about this gift for the church in Jerusalem. That's this, this gift. It, it actually comes up in a number of Paul's letters. It's, uh, he talks about it quite a number of times, and it's a big thing for him. Paul's determined to see it happen. He spent a lot of time collecting money from the churches around that 
uh, the area of Greece that was on the map there, Macedonia, and he, he collected a lot of uh, money for the Christians in Jerusalem. And as we, we read in this passage, he's, they gladly gave it. They, they were pleased to do it. And Paul sees this as evidence that the gospel has really taken root in these churches. Uh, they weren't actually rich themselves. We're going to read in a second a passage from 2 Corinthians where Paul also talks about this collection of money for the Christians in Jerusalem. They, weren't, they were themselves were actually quite poor, but here were people whose hearts were shaped by the gospel. Uh, they had been freed from the enslaving grip of money and they knew they had eternal riches in Christ. So when they saw a gospel need, they gave generously and freely. Uh, you can read about it and we'll go to there in 2 Corinthians 8. It should come up on the screen, this passage from 2 Corinthians and, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely of their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So that's the kind of background of these churches in Macedonia. They themselves aren't rich, uh, but they see this gospel need in Jerusalem. And when Paul says, we've got to take a collection down to them, they jump on board eagerly and willingly. Um, Paul sees this as a sign that the gospel has changed their hearts, but it's actually, it's, there's something else going on here as well. There's something even more going on for Paul. It had an added kind of weight. Uh, it's not only that there's a need that gospel-hearted people are contributing to. Uh, this contribution, that why Paul is so keen on it, uh, is because it's a sign of, a, a really important sign, Paul knows, of Christian unity between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Um, that's why uh, maybe you picked it up, this idea of debt that comes through in verse 27 of our passage. These churches are all kind of interconnected. Um, but laid on that is a, a sort of special sense of honour that Paul sees that the, the church in Jerusalem has uh, for a recognition that the gospel that has gone out across the world, it, it was firstly the, a Jewish gospel. It was the gospel of the, the Jewish people. The, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Um, so there's a kind of, Paul sees this kind of um, obligation that the churches around Macedonia and other places have for the church in Jerusalem. But it's not this tit-for-tat you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of obligation. Uh, it, it wasn't that, well, the church in Jerusalem has done some stuff for us, so we better do some stuff for them. Um, uh, there's no balancing of the scales here. It's, it's like they're not kind of weighing up how much has the church in Jerusalem done for us, so we'll see how much we can do for them. Uh, Paul says, um, and uh, we read it before, Paul says that... Uh, the Gentiles, if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Uh, 
What are the spiritual blessings that the Gentiles have shared in that have come through the Jewish people? Well, uh, we've taken a long time to read through Romans, but Romans is just overflowing with these incredible blessings that come through Christ, right? Peace with God, the hope of glory, the sure confidence of God's love, the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, these churches have all freely received all of that. Uh, and it's come to them through the Jews, through Jerusalem, from Jerusalem. And so, of course, when they hear that the Christians in Jerusalem are struggling and they, they need help, of course they're going to share their material blessings with them. So uh, this kind of gospel partnership leads to this free and generous giving from the churches around to this gospel work, to seeing gospel churches continue to be strong and to grow. Um, I think there's something really significant here about Paul's... Again, you kind of get a sense of Paul's heart. He's not just this trailblazer who sort of goes ahead unthinking about anyone else and leaves a trail of destruction in his wake. You know, so, sort of, oh, I'm just on my, I'm on my way, I'm planting churches here and there and everywhere and not really caring about how the things behind him are going. You don't get that sense at all. He's not just concerned about planting new churches. He's deeply concerned about the ongoing kind of vitality of the churches he's already planted for the sake of the gospel. My friends, he knows that uh, in all of this, Paul knows that it's not just about him and his charisma that's going to carry this through. Uh, he knows that this is God's work from first to last, and he never moves past earnest and dependent, humble prayer for it. Uh, prayer that is on the front line of this gospel partnership. That's where he goes to in verse 30. Verse 30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favourably received by the Lord's people there. I think I've mentioned before um, my great aunt, Arnie Ruth. She's still with us. She's in her 90s now, but she's pretty frail. Um, most of her younger life, though, was spent as a missionary in Japan. Uh, and uh, that visiting her over the years, I kind of... Uh, she, she just just made a huge impression of me. She lives up in Brisbane. When I can, uh, it's great to go see her. Uh, what stands out for me is whenever I visit, she has this kind of intense eagerness to pray. <laughs> She's always wants to pray, and and it's never when you pray with her. It's, it's never a kind of perfunctory, just ticking off the list, right? She, I'm sure she has lists, like you've got to have lists, right, to keep the chaos from overtaking you. But you never get the sense uh, that she's just going through the list. It never feel, felt there's a kind of there's always this fire in her, in her voice, and when I think of struggling in prayer. I think of my Auntie Ruth, actually, uh, when I think of this idea of what Paul's talking about, struggling. She, uh, I kind of am often, when I pray with her, a little bit sort of taken aback at how bold she is and how she kind of goes for the jugular when she prays. Uh, 
She'll just go out there and pray for non-Christian family members to be confronted by their sin and the depths of their need and turn to Christ. Uh, she'll pray for the gospel to go out. Um, she will pray, of, of obviously, for other things as well. But she's uh, a real example to me of gospel frontline struggling in prayer. For Paul, prayer is frontline gospel work. It's not what you do when you can't do anything else. Uh, he urges the Roman Christians to pray, to struggle with him by praying. Uh, he wants to be kept safe. He, does, he asks them to pray that he'll be safe. Uh, but it's not just for his own sake. He wants to be kept safe so that he can deliver this contribution to Jerusalem and then go on to Spain uh, not for his own sake, but for the sake of the gospel. Uh, that's what he wants the Christians in Rome to pray about. And the end point of that is all that he can finally make it to Rome. Verse 31, Pray that I may be kept safe from unbelievers in Judea, so that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Paul can't wait to be with these guys, to be physically present with them. Um, there's something that you can't replace, isn't there? Uh, there's something you can't replace about actually being physically present with other people. Uh, it's something that we can, I think we can kind of forget in our, uh, you know, we have got so much communication technology, which is great, I'm so glad I can sort of beam in and Skype other people uh, across the world or wherever. Uh, there's really good things that come about that. Um, but, you know, we're not, we're not just brains who kind of communicate thoughts. We're actually embodied people. Uh, we are physical bodies in, are important. And nothing can replace that kind of physical being together as God's people. Uh, that's why uh, organisations like the Church Missionary Society, who... Uh, we're linked in with here. They send they uh, send their missionaries to the churches to actually spend time with them when they're when they're at home. It's a key part of it, uh, so that they can encourage and spur us on in the gospel, and we can refresh them and send them back to their frontline work. Uh, but it's not. I don't think this this just in, applies to those who are involved in cross cultural mission. It, there's something significant, I think, here for all of us. I think it's a mistake to underestimate the real gospel partnership that you can have simply by turning up, simply by being present in the company of your brothers and sisters in Christ, not out of a kind of cold duty, but flowing out of a heart that's gripped by the gospel. When you commit yourself to being in the company of God's people, to grow under his word together, when you kind of you know, had that moment on Sunday morning when you wake up and there's a million things on your mind, but you know how much Christ has loved you and that he's brought you into your, his kingdom as a member of his family and for his sake, you bless your brothers and sisters with the encouragement of your presence. Well, there's so much, I'm sure there's, there's, there's lots in this passage, but it's a compelling picture, isn't it? It's a compelling picture for Paul. If you've taken on gospel ambitions, uh, 
you'll see yourself as a gospel partner. Um, not in a tit-for-tat kind of a way, not just because you might get something out of it, but as a free and joyful response to the gospel. That's the kind of thing on view here. It's beautiful. The gospel will shape us, and it's with the gospel that we need to start and finish. That's what will enable us to, to give this kind of free response. A rule can't do it. You can't be kind of guilted into it. Uh, we can't rid ourselves from the love of money or the, the grip that material things have on our hearts just by our own willpower by, or by someone telling us to. Uh, We've got to hear the incredible word of the gospel that says in Christ you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In Christ you are unimaginably rich spiritually, eternally. The knowledge of that spiritual abundance is what will give you a light touch on your possessions, what will help us to joyfully and sacrificially and generously give our money when we hear of gospel needs thinking about prayer, you, you, you kind of might be able to stick to a really strict prayer routine in your own strength, but it's only the gospel that will train us to wrestle in prayer. It's only the word of the gospel that proclaims your inability, your weakness and your, your sin and God's sovereign grace. That's what will drive you to desperate wrestling in prayer. It's the gospel that will do that. Um, we might be able to kind of partner with other Christian people in our own steam for a while if we're convinced that we're getting enough out of it. But it's only in the gospel uh, that we are given a new life to God, a new heart for the gospel so that we can joyfully commit ourselves to uh, being present with our brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging each other in the gospel work that we're all involved in out there. Well, I think uh, uh, that's why Paul finishes off these sections with a prayer. Uh, He knows that it's all a work of God's grace that this happens. It's all a work of God's grace. We saw it back in verse 13 of this chapter, this wonderful verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And right at the end here, he puts it more simply in verse 33. The God of peace be with you all. Paul knows that it's God's work in us that needs to bring this about. So we're going to, I'm going to pray and then we're going to spend a bit more time in prayer. I'll pray briefly before we do that. So let's pray together. Friends, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that um, you have swept us into your great plans for this world through Jesus. That that gives us new ambitions, new dreams, new hopes that will last for eternity. Um, Father, we thank you for the way in which that not only does it for us individually, but uh, makes us partners in your gospel with all your people everywhere. Give us this kind of generous, generous heart. Um, to be those who willingly and joyfully, generously share the things you've blessed us with for the sake of the building up of your kingdom. Uh, Give us an eagerness and a desperation to pray, to wrestle in prayer, to join with um, your people around the world for the advance of your gospel. Uh, Give us an eagerness to 
bless your bless our brothers and sisters here in our own church family with our presence. Um, help us to be encouragers of each other for the sake of your gospel so that we might every week leave this place refreshed and built up and ready to take uh, be ambassadors for your great work in the, the places that you have placed us. Lord, we need your help for all of this, and we pray that you might do that now by your Spirit in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.